0: Not dove <laughs> so I figured, because I know the Bible, there's no verse that says anyone should do a wedding. are your verse saying we should do a wedding. People when they marry in the Bible, this is how they used to do it in the Bible. Two families agreed, and the father of the bride would bring his daughter and the families will make a feast we'll talk about it one day but that feast will be called a covenant feast they just do covenant and someone presides over the covenant and they have a covenant meal and they are married so which means if it it was bread we have bread and so, we didn't want to do all these things and invite all of you. Of course, we invited all of you. Those who were part of the church, I agree, you know, you were invited. And we all went like a Sunday, like this. Was it? Yeah, it was on a Sunday. A Sunday afternoon, came together with the church, cooked the normal food like we would normally do like we would normally have uh, eating together here at church. Came together, so I was there. There was no white dress. Hopefully there still will be. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. And let me tell you how it all happened. The 12th of January. The 12th of January. The relationship started. The thirteenth of I think April or May, one of the two. The lobola was done. And the second part I think was done a month later. The second of July, we were married. And so most of you sit here and your excuses I don't have money. But you know, let let me be upfront with you. Do not want the benefits of marriage without getting married. Yeah. Now you destroy your life. Isn't that the person you want to marry? Yeah, let me tell you, yeah. Sometimes they'll charge you half, you'll pay the rest late. <laughs> but then you will have a wife. You won't be living in sin. Now, I don't understand some of you. You are in a relationship for 10 years. And 10 years later, you still say, that I'm budgeting. What are you budgeting? Didn't you know you, are get, you want to marry this person? Let me give you an advice that my pastor gave me in full gospel. He said to us as young people, he said, Young men, when you go to propose a girl, propose the one you intend marrying. So that you are not thinking whether you want to marry them. So now when I chose my wife, I proposed the woman I knew I want to spend my life with. And so when I went there, I had already considered there's this thing called lobola. You don't think about lobola when you are in a relationship. So, we don't want to condone masterly when there is nothing that disturbs you or hinders you from getting married. Except that you have this pressure you put on yourself. You say you don't have money, but later you have a child. Now you need more money. good luck. You need money to marry this woman and to raise this child. It would have been as easier had you married her first. Then you see, raising the child would be much easier. Because her family and your family would help you at least. Let's leave that one. I was inspired to talk about this thing of, let's do these things right. Anyway, how many of us know that we are still in a transition as a church? We are still changing. I I, I was thinking about the fact that we are going through a process of change. And we've discussed what this change means for us as a church with the elders. And I'm supposed to be talking about it now. But then something happened over the past two weeks, let me ask you, how many of you have been discipled? Okay, let's start here. because How many of you what discipleship means? Because then, if I ask how many are discipled when you don't even know what discipleship means, how many of us know what it means to disciple someone. The whole church, at least Tandaga knows. What did he mean? Okay, let's read it. Let's read Matthew 28. Are you there? Matthew 28, I'm reading from verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of, ho- of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you with always, even to the end of the world. So Jesus says, go and make disciples of all Nations, Hambanians a food, now who understands what idea do you get when Jesus said that? Go and make now let let, let me wrap it up. A disciple in the Bible meant two things: it meant one. A follower, a a person who is a student of another one's life and teachings. So this person is a student of the, the other individual's life and teachings. In other words, they learn. How does this person live? And they learn what comes out of the mouth of this person. So they get to know what this person says and what he does. I like it. Now that's part one. Part two is they then speak what this person person spoke and lived. I would like it so you you sit there as a disciple of Jesus, you learn what Jesus is saying, so you end up with the knowledge of what Jesus is saying. You observe the life of Jesus, how he prays, how he treats people, how he speaks to people, how compassionate he is. And then when you have done this process number one, you go to process number two. You do what the the Lord has done. That's what a disciple in short is. Now Jesus says, go and make disciples of all people. Do you realize what he means? He says, this is how he made disciples he taught them he showed them and then he said go and do and be you understand so that is a disciple a disciple of jesus therefore let's read in john chapter 8. i want you to see the difference between a convert and a disciple. In John chapter 8, I'm reading from verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed on him, or in him. Then Jesus said to the the Jews that believed in him. What did they believe? That he is the son of God. That is the Messiah. Now, a convert is a person Who believed one thing but is convinced to believe another when you tell them otherwise. So a convert, They believe in either Jesus and ancestors and other things. But when you tell them that there is one way, and one truth, and his name is Jesus Christ, Lord. Now they convert, they change from believing what they believed to what you told them. What did they believe first? I believe there's God and their ancestors who helped me. That's what I believed first, right? And then you come, you tell me that there is only one God, there is only one Savior, His name is Jesus. There is only one mediator between man and God. His name is Jesus. There is only one healer. His name is Jesus. So now I convert. I change from what I believed. And I believe what you are telling me. like it. Now that process of converting. I am going that way. Believing my own things. And you tell me you are believing the wrong thing. This is what you be- you must believe. Now I'm starting to believe in this direction. Now I believe the right thing. That process is called conversion. But what now I do is called repentance. Repentance means to change your mind, your behavior, and your stance on what you first believed. So in other words, I believed any other thing but the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. When I believer, I'm lucky. When you are converted, you don't just believe I'm lucky, you know you are blessed. So you repent from the mind that says I am lucky, from the mind that says uh, my ancestors are helping me to now Jesus is Lord. you see, We've spoken about three things. Conversion is the process of changing me when I tell you that you must stop believing this to believe that. When you stop believing what you believed and believe what I told you, you are repenting. So, come on, come on. And then you now change from being a sinner to a saint. On your part, what have you done? Repented. Right? What is that process of changing you? Conversion. So here's a problem. A person is converted. They no longer believe the things they used to believe. But what is the difference? A convert believes a new thing. Right? But listen to the difference. This is what it says. And Jesus says... To the converts, to the Jews that have believed. Loud like it. Listen to what he says. If you continue in my word, who has the NIV? Can you read it in the NIV, please? 31 and 32. 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To the Jews that have believed in... Who do we call those people who have believed in him? Converts. They have converted to Jesus. But Jesus says, you converts, if you hold on to my teachings, if you stand, remember, what is a disciple? A student of what is spoken and their life. And then a person who then lives and speaks out what they have learned. Now, Jesus says, you who have converted, if you now hold on, if you listen and observe my life speak what I speak and do what I do then you will be my disciples Like you can take it also. what does that tell you it tells you that only a disciple can make disciples a convert cannot make a because a convert Needs a de- disciple to disciple him from being a convert to being a disciple. Therefore, we need to send disciples to make disciples. Nang good like Now, now this is this revelation that I got about us as a church. We want to transition. We are happy like, yeah, we are going to do this. We are going to do this. And, and I discovered as I was thinking, I must ask these members of our church, how many have been discipled? I wasn't discipled. When I got born again, they just did what we do in this church. Well, they tried to disciple me at least, but I ran away. Because I got born again in a tent. They send people to come and disciple me. When I saw them, I used to tell them I'm not around. But here's what I'm saying. Most of us here, have you ever been set down to be taught about Jesus? About how you should walk this Christianity? Now, what I'm doing now is not discipling. This is intended for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. This is supposed to be training. Discipleship has to do with how do you live your day-to-day life? How do you run your finances? How do you pray? How do you live amongst people? How many of you have someone who walks with you and he says, This is how you must serve Jesus. How many of us went through that process when they got born again? lucky oh yeah when i know how many people were discipled oh okay i want you to 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 observe something let's make it official if you are discipled please stand up i'm sitting down myself look at the number of people who are discipled in this church Friends, it means you and I, our lives were short-circuited. Our efficiency was short-circuited. Thank you guys. Now, remember, I'm not saying when you are not discipled, you can't make disciples in this context. I'm saying... A process that was supposed to be planted in your life as a lifestyle, it was not. And therefore, it's not a lifestyle. You were supposed to be, when you were converted, you were supposed to be trained to be a disciple. So that you can be sent to make converts disciples. And so, when we were not disciples, the question is, how do we then disciple? Where do we start? And discipleship is a process of changing a person. Now, friends, I need to ask you this. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you changed? Have you become a disciple? If not, you and I must, (laughs) we have a process we must work through as a church. And we need to stop. Most churches don't disciple people person to person. Discipling in the Bible was not a system of church. Now what we do, because we are short circuiting things, we call you to a membership or a discipleship class and you don't come. So the two things are flawed. The one flawed part is the fact that I should walk with you. Or somebody in the life of the church should be walking with you. Showing you this is how to live. This is how to do things. Can you imagine Jesus walked with them three and a half years. Every day showing them things. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Every day. It was an everyday thing. For us it's a Sunday thing. And and not an effective one. And so you may be married but you have no clue how to live in a married life. Why? Because discipleship is not happening. Discipleship should enter every part of your life. There must be someone who works with you in your finances, at school, every... Now we call them mentoring and what we try to make programs for what we should be doing as a lifestyle. And so we don't know what to do with people as churches. Langud like Rosa. We can't reverse that process, unfortunately. We need to find ways to improve from where we are. And so that's why I wanted today to speak on the following things. Why do I need to change? The question that I want us to answer today. Change or transition in this context is equivalent to spiritual growth or repentance or godly transformation. Why should you and I change? If we change, remember, I need to be a disciple. So I need to be transformed. I need, if I was going that direction, to repent. Therefore, it means I must change in this context. If change, or rather change also means a deliberate and a diligent move, from conversion to discipleship by all who believed in, confessed and accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. You and I, for as long as we remain between convert and disciple, convert and disciple, we're not making progress in God. We need to, making, to be making progress towards being disciples. As I've already mentioned, Jesus said you shall be my disciples. It's not a strange thing. Think about it. Jesus, it doesn't say to the disciples who believed in him, Jesus. No. He speaks to those who have already believed. He makes them aware that you are not yet proper disciples. You have only believed, but you have not started living out and speaking out who and what I am. But for anyone to change, it is both the work of the Holy Spirit in that person and the resolve of that in re- individual in recognition of the value of growth or change in his or her life. For me to change, don't think you are going to change yourself. How God has to change you. But when you must make a decision to change other people are sitting here have not made up a decision to, to change. But why would someone change if they don't see the value of change? No! People must see that it is better to change for them to change. How many of us remember that your parents told you stuff you were supposed to change from doing? And you didn't take it serious. Now you have children. You want to them the same things. Now you have your own. You want to tell them exactly what your parents told you. And if you are one of us. You are lucky enough. Or unlucky enough. Your parents might have told you. Don't worry. You will also have your own children one day. At least now they did tell me. I don't know if we're never willing. But why should I change? Firstly, let me make mention of the fact that you don't have to be a bad person to change. Other people think I'm standing here speaking to them because they are sinners. No, you don't have to be a bad Christian to change change is for all who acknowledge that despite who they are and what they have achieved, there is still more for them in God. If you are not aware of it, if you are not aware of it, then you know I need to change. And so other people are thinking, hey, my sins, today I'm not even talking about your sins. I'm just saying, your future needs a better you. That's all I'm saying. We are called to be and to do in Christ. And there is more than can last us six lifetimes and perhaps more to be and to do. Except that without change we can hardly scratch the surface. In God, to be his children, to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives. These are all things we are called to be. To be powerful. But he has also called us to do certain things, to heal the sick, eh? to do greater things. But friends, when we don't change, you have not even scratched a surface. Think about the things you believe that you have not even started doing now. Eh? You know that you are supposed to be better than what you are already now. Isn't that true? Now that tells you that there is more. No one can be all they could be in life. It's impossible. We have very short life for the potential that is in us. Considering that some of us are going to live 90 years but they sinned for 78 of those 90 years. So you can imagine how much they've already lost in the process. The Bible says in John 21 verse 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, every one of them, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Can you imagine? Jesus John wrote most of the things that Jesus did in the three and a half years. But he says, the things that I have written. If I was to write all of the things that Jesus did in three and a half years, the books of this world could not contain. How old are you now? Now think about if you were doing God's things for the number of years that you are now. How many books could be written? Jesus says, "Lo, now you will do the things I do and even greater things. Now suppose in the next 25 years of your life, you do what Jesus did and greater things. How many things, books can be written about you? Maybe five worlds can be filled. Ne? But you have not even scratched the surface. So, why should I change? You may have many other reasons why you should change, but I'm going to give you reasons that I think you should change. Because I believe in telling you some of these things, I cannot tell you everything that I, 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 I should be telling you. But if you capture what the few things that I'm going to read for you, you will change. And when you change, your life will be better. How many people believe that God has a better future for them? How many of us actually know that our future in God is tied to his will for our lives? How many of us know that God's will is better than yours? Okay, now watch this space. Watch this one. How many of us realize that you love your will now more than you love God's will for your life? Others love God's will more than they do. Why should we change? We should change because, number one, we are already changed in Christ. We are already. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new. So that person has already changed. The Bible says we are new in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. So it doesn't make sense for a new person to live like the old person. So that's why I I said last time, you are a hypocrite if you are new, but you live as old. Because you don't realize that you have already changed. That is why in heaven they don't recognize the old you. They recognized the new. Not the renovated you. The new. Before, the Bible says you have already changed. Now here's my question. If you have already changed, why are you still living unchanged? A convert to a decide. Now a lot of us are sitting here not aware that in God they have already changed. There are so many things I can tell you now about how you have changed already. So one of the reasons you must change is because in God you are already not what you are now. You living now, you are better than what you think you are already, except that you are lagging behind. You are a prince who lives like a slave and is not aware that he is no longer a. So you've already changed in God. Number two, you must change because you and I do not belong to ourselves but to Christ. We have no right to misuse what does not belong to us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 He died for us so that we who live should no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us. How many of us realize that you and I don't like the fact that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. Okay, only my wife realizes that and who's. <laughs> Most people here are convinced that this is my life. But they claim to be Christian. When you are a Christian, it's no longer yours. The Bible says in the, in the, in the book of uh, Acts chapter 20, it says... You are the church that Christ has purchased with his blood. You belonged to the devil before. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says the devil had blinded you. He, He was running your life and Christ purchased you from sin. Did you borrow the clothes? How do you know it's yours? Did they give them to you? You purchased them, right? That is why if somebody is wearing hey, this looks like my jacket. Where did you take? Because you know you purchased the jacket. Now imagine, you walk around with the life that belongs to Christ like it's yours. And Christ is thinking, how can this person be doing this? Friends, we do not belong to ourselves anymore. And the sooner you get that, the sooner you will be free to change. I cannot say my will. I should be saying not my will, but your. And some people think it's about us and them. It's not about you and me. When I stand here and speak, it's not even about me. Yeah. Even if I did not say it, the Lord would still have said it. So people make changes, transitions about personalities now we must change in that hey where she is <laughs> hey you know multiple has been talking about sin 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 we must change you must get hey, now I must get married you don't have to get married because I told you it's because you have no right to misuse the temple of the Holy Spirit and that's not me that's God like Until you get that picture, you'll still think, I don't have to change, I'll postpone change. My friend, God cannot be mocked. Whatever you sow today, you will reap. And then you will ask, why me, Lord? A changed life is the most appropriate response to God's love and goodness through Christ. The Bible says, we must present a life to God worthy of Him. Let me ask you a question when you got born again what did you respond to i want you to go home and think about this point because that's the point that inspired this message it hit me when you got born again what were you responding to Aras responded to the message that made them fearful Aras responded to a message that encouraged them. Aras were encouraged to know that if they get born again, they won't go to hell. But let me tell you what the Holy Spirit stared in my heart that that's not what you responded to. Here's the thing that I want you to capture you were a sinner, right? Now this is what a sinner deserves. A sinner deserves hell, he deserves punishment. A sinner by his virtue. The Bible says you are blinded by the devil. You have no hope in the world. The Bible says in Ephesians.